Hi, everybody. This is Kathy. And this is Todd. And welcome to our new show called Conversations with People We Love. Um, we're going to be speaking with authors, friends, philanthropists, you name it. It's basically people who are out there making the world a better place. Yes, these people inspire us, and we think they'll inspire you. And this program is brought to you by BU, Raising Whole and Courageous Kids. These aren't just workshops, it's a movement. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome. Uh, this is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. And we are doing something new called Conversations with People We Love. Conversations with People We Love. I like that it's title. It's kind of wordy, though. Are you it okay is. with that? Conversations with people, with loving people. Well, no, mine's still better. Okay, then but we'll, we'll go with we'll that. We'll work on that. Okay. Um, so the person that we're interviewing today, her name is Heather Criswell, and she has written a book called How to Raise a Happy Child. And I'm just reading the bio off the back of her book. Heather is a kid whisperer who spent 25 years working with over 30,000 children. That's Mm -hmm. that's a lot of... That's a lot of kids. um, She's a parent coach, a keynote speaker, and an author sharing her unique approach and wisdom with families around the world. So we'll bring Heather in. Heather, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. So excited. No problem. (laughs) Um, So Heather and I met at a toy show last year. Cool. We were... um, In in Chicago, yes. In Chicago. Okay. And I was doing the poofin thing. I was helping the lady from poofin, and I don't know some. I don't know how people do you, are, don't probably don't know what the poofin thing is. It is for um, new listeners. it's a what is it? It was one of our sponsors. It's one of our it partners. Was a, it was a toy. Okay. Yeah. So Heather, how did do you remember? I don't even remember. Do you know how we came in contact with one another at that show or no? Well, you were in the booth right around the corner, and I just happened to um, be there. I was. Uh, promoting our our product, Wise Talk for Families. It's a game that helps parents communicate on a heart-to-heart level. And so I was just promoting my product. Uh, this was before the book and went around the corner and saw you and we just started chatting and you're like, you're so close to what our message is and I just want to get to know you more. And we kind of just really hit it off as far as the message. And then you told me about Zen Parenting and I've been listening ever since. And so I sit and cheer for you guys when I hear Zen Parenting. I'm like, yes, that's right. Yes, that's <laughs> awesome. So um, it's super exciting. And every time I see you guys on iTunes and like sitting next to Ellen, I'm I'm so <laughs> happy for you. And I just light up. So gotcha. I'm super and, happy. And Ellen is your husband? Uh, Ellen. Oh, Ellen. Ellen. Who's Ellen's Ellen? sitting next us sitting when next you, to Ellen on iTunes. Oh, you. On iTunes. Oh, so yeah. she's visualizing. She's, she's, us. No, she. This what she's talking about is I posted something on Facebook that we were like eighth as sitting next to Ellen as far not literally sitting next to Ellen. Our podcast was. She was behind us. She was nine, and we were eight. Yeah. Does that mean as, that we're better than Ellen? No, that day. I think we are. Well, maybe. but you love Ellen. I do love Ellen, so it's you know I could. That be, means you guys are in the circle. That's exactly, right. exactly. But it's thank you for following us, Heather, because that that was a that was one post, and she saw it. Okay, and so Heather, you're married, no kids. Is that true? Married with one boy. One, one boy. boy. How old is your son? Old. Well, he'll be two July first. July first. And what is his name? Jacob. Jacob. Okay, very he, good. He's still a little guy, so you're still in kind of the little guy world, huh? Yes, yes. We, uh, yeah, we are. We actually adopted Jacob from ah. Russia. And um, so Jacob has been home with us for a while now, and um, it's been quite the interesting 
process to uh, bring him home to the States. And literally two months after we brought him home, they shut down all Russian adoption. I was just going to say that. Heather, we should do, I mean, again, today we're going to focus on your book, but we should do another talk sometime about your experience with adoption because I have a few friends who are experiencing the same thing. And I would love to hear your perspective. Yeah, it, it was an incredible, um, amazing, grueling process. Yes. Um, and, you know, like I said in the book, we've had uh, quite a few miscarriages. And honestly, like they were almost similar experiences. So wow. <laughs> it wow. was intense. But we have our little boy now and he is amazing, of course. And um, he just he just lights up my life. And so I'm really, really happy to have him with us. But we were really um, blessed. And again, it's 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 no coincidences. And honestly, he got out of there just in time. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. So happy for you. So Thank you. I don't know really how to begin with the book because I think it is so great. But I kind of want to give our read, our listeners just an idea of how it's set up. You have four sections. One is deciding who you are as a parent. Number two is discovering the five ingredients for parenting success. Number three is putting it all into action. And part four is uh, feeling like a parenting pro with these proven scripts. So you actually give the um, the language that you would use in specific situations. And I think we'll get to that. But um, I'm just going to dive into one specific topic, and that is body image. In your book, you are very forthcoming in your vulnerability uh, regarding your own body image and how it affected you. And I thought that it would be a really good topic to bring that up because in our society, obviously, especially with women, they're um, viewed a certain way. And I just wanted to see if you, you know, maybe share some of your personal experiences and then, you know, the larger idea of how it affects our society and our culture. And and really, you know, just like Todd said, obviously we're giving you 10 things to talk about here, but what your message is, you know, like rounding it up, what, you know, your experience and then what your message is for girls or for parents of girls. Um, and again, this this is for boys too, but really since it's you telling us the story, you know, give us your perspective on this. Right, right. It definitely was my experience. So, you know, as far as a woman is concerned, that's where I kind of lay in that experience. Um, you know, as a child for, from four years old on, I was incredibly overweight um, and absolutely tortured in school and not tortured in the sense of torture, but absolute sheer torture every day all day, um, not being able to fit in desks all the way up until high school, literally to the point where in high school, you know, I worked my credits so well that at the, my senior year, I only had to go to two hours of school so that I could get out of school that fast. Um, so it was, it was awful. And literally from getting on the bus, they would say, you know, the bus is going to go down, watch out, you know, the whales coming on, um, my name was Heather Roby at the time, so they called me H&R Block. Um, so it was just like intense. And everybody's got their experience, and this is just my experience. And what it did for me is um, it, it challenged me over and over again, but it also gave me the key to parenting in a very quick way because every time I'd come home, I'd cry or we'd have a physical fitness test. I lived in Texas at the time and I'd be crying because I couldn't do a chin up or they'd have to weigh me in front of the entire class and everybody would make fun of me and it would just perpetuate it. And my parents were overweight. So on open house, they'd say, here come the three little pigs. Mm. So it was just intense all the time. Mm. And when I, my parents, 
parents, when my mom said, you know, my mom would come in at the end of the night and she'd say, you know what, Heather, I'd say they, they, mom, I'm not, they say I'm not here, uh, that I'm just stupid and that I'm ugly and that I don't even belong here on earth and I'm, I'm too ugly to even be here. And my mom would say, you know what, they're wrong. And then she went in and she'd always tell me the story of how she wasn't able to get pregnant and it was a miracle and, you know, she had cervical cancer and part of her cervix was removed. They said she'd never have children. Lo and behold, here I come. Wow. Um, 10 pounds, four ounces, two weeks late. <laughs> uh-huh. So, um, needless to say, you know, she told me over and over again, they are wrong. And it wasn't that the key to it wasn't that she was saying they were being mean and I'm sorry, they hurt your feelings and, you know, kind of um, affirming what happened. She kept saying, they're wrong. And so there was always a piece of me that said, you know what, when they make fun of me, I'd go, you're wrong. And inside I'd go, you're wrong. My mom says you're wrong. And I believe my mom, my mom, I believe her because she wouldn't lie to me. And um, so needless to say, years went on, my, um, I got tortured more and my dad came into the picture and he said, um, you know, I said, I don't want to ride the bus anymore. I don't want to go to school. It was my junior year. And I had about a month till I got my driver's license. And he said, all right, I'll take you to school every morning. And so, you know, people could say, well, your dad was just giving in to you. I had 11 years of torture mm-hmm. and I had one month to go and I couldn't take it anymore. And if it, if it was just alleviating that bus ride, he knew in his heart, that's what it would take. And he did it. So, you know, I learned some really valuable skills in parenting and dealing with these images. It's not necessarily, my experience was, it wasn't necessarily trying to talk me out of it. Oh, you're not fat. Because the truth of the matter was, I was fat. Mm -hmm. It, It wasn't like, oh, well, they're just stupid and making fun of them. It was, they were wrong. And that was the key. And I'm grateful for my parents for that. And what it made me realize is our our words are so very clear to our children. And we have to be incredibly articulate with what we want to say because the message is so important. One word can shift the entire message. So for the parents uh, who might be listening, who might have the same struggles as your parents or you that you had as a child, would your just the fact that your mom said they're wrong was that empowering enough is that like good advice for other parents that might want to hear that it was incredibly empowering because what i knew for sure is my parents wouldn't lie to me um they they wouldn't tell me that something that wasn't true about myself and you know so i knew deep down in my heart and every time initially if if they tried to talk me out of it especially my dad because my dad had a lot of images self-image problems himself my mom did too but she kind of separated them with me and her but my dad had a lot of self-images too so it kind of projected and translated onto me he was having health problems so he assumed if I was overweight I would help help health problems too so he just kind of pushed that on me but what I realized, it was really his problem, not necessarily mine in that moment. Right. Um, so, you know, as far as trying to talk your child out of it, it wouldn't have helped me. I just came up with every defense. But no, he said, but, but really, I am fat, but I am ugly. And they just kept saying, You're, they're wrong, mm. they're wrong. Well, you know? what's interesting is I remember there's a part in your book where you said, you started, you know, uh, becoming healthier and, and some of the weight started to shed and then you thought like you'd be happy when you lost this amount of weight and then this amount of weight. And you realize that regardless of how, how much your size dress that you fit in 
reduced, you were never content with that. And I just wonder uh, if you can expound on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was always my dream. I was probably a size 14 at, um, I don't know, fifth grade. Um, I was in adult clothes in fifth grade. Um, so it was always my dream. If I just get down to a size 12, then I'll be happy. And that was the whole idea with the book title was how to raise a happy child and be happy too. And the idea is not that we'll be happy when, when my kid does this, then I'll be happy. When he talks, I'll be happy. It'll be so good when he's in school, it'll be so good. And unfortunately, when we're always waiting to be happy, it never comes. And yeah. that's what I realized with the weight is, oh, well, now I'm a size 12. I should be happy. Oh, well, now I'm a size 10. I should be happy. Well, now I'm a size eight. I really, really should be happy. But there was always a piece of me that, oh, I could be a sixth now. And so it became somewhat destructive um, in the process. And what I realized is now back at a size 12, I have to decide to be happy regardless of what size I am. Yeah. And and, and embrace what is going on in my life and realize that it really is that I feel good about myself and whatever size that is, um, that's fine. But it's it's a culture of, of you know, prom dresses. I wore a size 24 in prom, you know, mm. like it wasn't, it didn't feel good. <laughs> like, so, right. um, you know, and everybody let me know that too. Yeah, and, and Heather, don't you think that in our society today, you know, we're talking here about body image and weight, but that there's all these other things, these other issues that people carry, and a lot of times it's their crutch where they can focus on that thing, you know, if I can just lose that weight, if I can just, you know, wear the right clothes, if I can just have the perfect house or the perfect this or the perfect that, then I'll feel good, and really that's just that, that's sidetracking them from what's really going on inside and exactly. that it, and once they do just like you said you know you just said this once they do get to that goal that they've set for themselves they realize how they still feel that emptiness and how they've really missed the boat and I think sometimes people like to have conflict and drama and challenges in their life even though and, and it's weird to say this because I'm not saying you know, that we really want to, we don't want, want to feel bad, but sometimes the issues that we have keep us away from what's really going on inside. Well, and this reminds me of uh, Jim Carrey. You told me this, but Jim Carrey said that he wishes that everybody could be a multimillionaire for just a few days yeah, and then just realize that that's not that's what not is it. going to make you happy. That's not it. So anyway, it's, it's true. And, and, and that's, that's the whole premise of the book is embracing what we have in this moment and finding your happiness in, in what you have. And the great thing about that is, is the more that you find the happiness with what you already have and the experiences that you're experiencing in the moment, the more abundance I got. So yes. the, the, when I opened my preschool, I had six children on roll six and I panicked because I had a mortgage due. I had, you know, employees to pay. And what I realized is, is I started visualizing kids in those cubbies. And I had a friend that helped me with that and realizing that this school, is awesome and if it's six kids or 50 kids it's going to be an awesome school and That's what right. I realized is as I embraced that and I I love those six kids and we were having a good time and having a lot of fun more and more kids came more and more abundance and by the end of my time with my preschool I sold it for a tremendous amount of money and and more than I ever expected and I made a lot more money than I ever even envisioned yeah 
for myself simply for the fact that, and I say a lot of money, it was a lot of money for me at the time, right. but I mean, it wasn't millions, obviously, but in the same token, it was way more than I ever expected. And it was because I was, the children taught me, I had to live in the moment. When you have 50 kids running around, I couldn't not live in the moment. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, Heather, you're saying, you know, it's the universal principle and you're saying it so perfectly with your experience, um, you know, with the preschool, it's focusing on the internals and not the externals. It's like when you had six kids instead of, well, it needs to be more before I can do this or before I can call myself a success or before I can be happy, I have to have a full school or you, you take what you have and you put all your love into it and then it blossoms. And, exactly. and we're not, we're looking at what's going on inside and then the external takes care of itself. And what a beautiful metaphor your preschool is for that. It's true. It just took care of itself and was incredibly um, abundant. And like I said, more than I can imagine. And that was the gift in it. It was more than I could even imagine. Yeah. Beyond your dreams. Well, mm-hmm. and um, I, I wanted to bring up one other part of your book and then we'll ask a few kind of closing questions. But you talk a lot about uh, the difference between a goal for your children and a desire for your children. And to be honest with you, it's been a month since I read that section, but I, I was, I thought it was profound. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the difference between goals and desires. Well, for me, especially as a parent and, and, and with that being said to me, has brought me to be the best parent I could be with my child. And I don't think that I would be the best parent I could be with my child without those experiences for me in particular. Um, so, um, and yet it's still a process and still learning. And with the goals versus desires, there's goals like, you know, my dad wanted me to be thin and have, um, you know, be in great health and, uh, be a cheerleader. You know, there were these certain expectations say he had for me and, um, they were goals, if you will. Um, but really, truly what I'm looking for is a desire. And the desire is that I want, I want you to get everything that you want in life. Mm. I want you to have everything that you want in life. And I want to be that cheerleader that guides you along the way and says, they're wrong. You're the best. That you're awesome. I know you can do this. You've done it before. You matter. You have value on this earth. You have purpose. That's the parent that I want to be. And with that is, is my desires for them to have the best life on this planet. And if that best life means that they're a great soccer player, great. If that best life means that they are an esthetician or they love doing hair or they're an attorney, whatever fills you up, I want to support you and love you and cheer you on the whole way. And that's what a desire is. In my opinion, is that I'm there to just watch you and embrace you and cheer you on versus, you know, I really want you to be an attorney because, you know, I I went to law school and I didn't finish. And I really think that you have, you have what it takes. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's obviously more detailed in the book about it, but you know, that's just some small examples of, and I really want to be in the space of with my child and every child is, that we believe in you and we know that you have purpose and that you matter on this planet. And let me tell you, I'm going to do everything in my power to cheer you on along the way. And I know you can do it because you came here. You you came here to do it. Just because you're here, here, you're worthy of it. Exactly. And you know, that is so beautiful because that if there is, you know, I feel like one message that, well, there's so many messages that we want to send, but you know, it's the idea of, um, 
allowing your child to be who they are and seeing it rather than thinking that you're creating it. Rather than your projection. Rather than your... And I, you used the word projection before about how, you know, your dad... Um, had some of his own issues, which all of our parents have, you know, and we still are, are kind of working through sure. our stuff. But how we project that on our children and hand them our dreams and hand, hand them our expectations instead of realizing our job is to see them and help them become who they are. And I love your differentiation between goals and desires because goals are, they're almost like that's our stuff or society's stuff or things we think they're supposed to do or things that people tell us they should do. And desires are their heart. Mm-hmm. You right. know, it's right. who they are. And us, like you said, it's not, you know, it's not about what they become, what the job title is, what the money is. It's that inner knowing that they are really knowing that they are worthy. Exactly. Even with with my co-author, Taryn, we were talking one day and she said, you know, well, to be successful, you have to. And I said, that's the difference. And she says, well, what do you mean that's the difference? And I said, when I look at a child, they are successful because they are here. Exactly. And what you do with that success, I'm really excited to see. Yeah. The difference is, is I'll be successful when I attain or when I get a college degree or I get married or have children or, you know, fill in the blank, have money, lose weight. But the goal is to remind our children that you came here, you're already successful. And wow, I just can't wait to see what you do with that. And you have something that none of us have. And I can't wait to see how you share it with the world. I can't wait. Beautiful. so excited. (laughs) And, you know, same. And and as a society, like, you know, if anyone was listening and like, well, what can I do? As a society, I talk a lot about backing up and getting a wide angle lens on everybody and that there's so many different kinds of intelligence and so many different kinds of gifts and so many, you know, instead of saying this kid is smart because they have this test score or this kid is talented because they're the best athlete, there are so many millions of ways to be gifted. And if we can see that and hone in on that, then our, you know, then it takes on an energy of its own and people will start to notice that. But we have to notice it in our own kids first. Um, exactly. Okay. Well, I think that we could probably talk for hours and hours. I know. You're fun, Heather. There, there's a few things that, um, you know, silly random questions okay. that, uh, what was one of yours that you wanted to ask? Well, it's not really that random. I, I was wondering, cause I tend to be, um, a, I'm a word person. I'm when Todd and I talk about the, you know, five love languages a lot. And, you know, Todd and I being in relationship, he knows that words are extremely important to me. So I was just wondering if, and it's hard to narrow this down, but do you have a word that means the most to you? Like, what is your favorite word? And it could just be, what's your favorite word today? Because I know these things change. But you can't say love because that's too easy. Well, no, because she may have a definition of love that someone's not heard before. Is it going to be love, Heather? (laughs) Well, you know, I could do love because I love love. Um, (laughs) But, you know, as a really cool tool... Um, I, it's just funny. Like I was, I was going to say love, not going to lie, but, um, a really cool tool, um, that, that, um, I use often. And, and it's funny because I don't even think about it, um, is the word, excuse me. Actually, that's two words. I get it. That's okay. Um, you can do two. I'll, it will grant you permission. <laughs> yeah. But I say that often to my child and to all the children in my life. And it's a really cool tool with people. And if I can share that with parents is that when any child does anything that is out of the norm, or my son does something that is just like, I need to take a breath and I don't have time to take a breath. I look at him and I say, excuse me. And 
what that does is it gives me a chance to inhale mm. and come into a space. And it's kind of my cue to get in a space. And it's also his cue to rethink what's happening in this moment. Yeah. I.e., when you go to hit me, if you hit me out of frustration and I look at you, I say, excuse me, what do you need to hit? And he goes straight to his punching bag because we have a punching bag in our living room yes. <laughs> because he's two. And that's the way it works. And so I said, I, I look at him, I say, excuse me. And that gives me a chance to come into myself and go, okay, what am I going to do here? What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Quick, quick, quick. And it gives him a chance to say, uh-oh, you know, that's crossed one of her boundaries. And I need to be clear about this. What am I going to do next in order? So we're giving our children the chance to take a breath and think for themselves and take a breath and think for ourselves. And yet it's no time out and all of this rigmarole and, you know, just in my experience is just absolute ridiculousness, time, frustration, energy, effort, when it's really, really, really easy. Excuse me, gives me the chance to breathe, gives them the chance. So love that. I think it's a really cool tool. All me right. too. Great I like words. It. I don't think I've ever used it, but maybe well, I'll start. Well, you have. You just probably haven't used excuse me, which it's what I love about that with your son is he will always know as he grows up that when those words are used, and, and obviously all the other kids you've worked with that in your life. That means mom is serious. That means mom, just like you said, a boundary has been crossed, and so it, it causes him to think. And like you said, you know, there are many different ways to work with kids, but the, the, you know, the shaming behavior or the shaming that we do often, uh, it doesn't help in the long run, right. you know, and it curbs the don't hit me. Yes. You know, it, the instant response, it curbs uh, the instant response. Yes. And that instant response is really challenging as a, as a parent. Um, you know, I just had lots of practice over the years when you have 50 of them hitting you. Yes. Like, you know, yes. I just had lots of practice, but yeah, it's, it, it curbs that, that response, that quick, you know, just quick temper. And it kind of gives you a space to go, okay, what is the parent I want to be in this moment? How do I want to be in this moment? Mm, beautiful. And it gives your child the chance to say, what do I want to do in this moment? To get them forward thinking instead of look at what you did and keep them in the space of I hit, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. We want to forward think, mm. you know? Um, well, Heather, you listen to our show and I'm going to catch you off guard. And if you don't have an answer, that's fine. But you know that I like my tournament of bad. And I just wonder... <laughs> If there, and for those of you who don't know what tournament bad is, it's it's uh, everyday annoyances of things that people usually do. Usually people, right? And yeah, and yeah. So do you, and you listen to enough of our shows, have you ever thought <laughs> this would be my tournament of bad? You know, it's funny. It's really challenging because for me, I do my best to stay in the space of what I want totally. versus what I don't want. See, I live in the other um, space sometimes. No, you don't. Sometimes. Anyways. You know, I, I totally get it. And if if the only thing um, the only thing that comes to my mind right intuitively is that my tournament of bad is I'm ready for parents to start programming ourselves to believe that this is really a great experience and this is a lot of fun. And yes, there are challenges, but you know what? We can make it through this and it's always an experience and a learning versus this is hard. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm frustrated. I, and I get it. We're all in that space, but when we stay in the space of, you know, and chatting with each other on Facebook of how hard my day was, it just perpetuates a hard day instead of, you know, 
I'm having a challenging day. Can somebody give me an idea of something great to do so that I get out of this space? Mm. Yes. That That is a different um, than just venting. And so I think if we can shift our consciousness as parents is that this is really an awesome experience. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's all, you know, bubbles and happiness and unicorns oh my all the time um but what i'm saying is is focus on what we do want versus what we don't want so that we keep getting what we want all the time all the time and when we have a stumbling block it's literally that it's a bleep it's not a valley that we've fallen into and we can't get out and we're clawing our way out um, yeah, it. it uh, sorry, I was going to say it doesn't. Instead of that being the way things are, because that's always my my frustration too, is when people say, "Well, that's the way things are," and that's not the truth. It's a stumbling block along the path of what is true. And you know, so anyway, I just like your. So I like the way you switch that. Um, yes, <laughs> I was hoping for something a little meaner, like white crayon. Sorry, like, yeah, <laughs> but that's all right. Um, so uh, the name of your book is How to Raise a Happy Child and Be Happy Too. And then you have this um, wise well, talk wise for talk. families, which I actually bought from you at the toy show, I think. And we have used it several times at dinner. Heather. So, so what this is is basically there's a game out of it, but there's a book that has open-ended questions that is useful to talk to your family about because instead of saying, hey, how was your day at school, and they say, fine, you don't have to think. And sometimes I don't want to think, and I basically just open up this book. Well, we pick the, um, we've picked the letters. Yeah, I know. We do all okay. that, too. We but do sometimes all that, too. I like Todd just, just to... likes your book. Yeah, so anyways. So, because the, the game is, is that there's a box, and it's filled with letters, uh, capital letters and um, lowercase letters, and you pick a letter out, which kids love to do, because mm-hmm. they want to have something, oh, you know, what did I get? And then you open up the book, and you um, go to that letter, and it'll give you a word to, to you know, talk about and elaborate on. So, Heather, is wiseinside.com the best place to find you, or what do you, what's, what's the deal? Absolutely. I have wiseinside.com. We also have a link on our book to raiseahappychild.com. And on raiseahappychild.com, there's tons of videos too. We actually just linked them back over to Wise Inside too. But there's tons of videos, just three-minute, five-minute videos, um, blogs, those kind of things. But they kind of just give you a little, little piece of the book. And then we also have the videos from the book that link in the book um, on the website as well that they can check out and actually see it in action. Um, so it's a really cool tool um, to help you feel good. And that's been the great response from the book is we wanted people to walk away not feeling bad as a parent. Um, we wanted them to walk away feeling good as a parent. We wanted them to walk away feeling empowered and knowing that there are challenges that are going to happen and I'm going to make it through this because I am a good parent and I am doing the very best I can every moment of every day. And when I'm not, I get back on the horse and I do it again the next day. So the response has been really awesome that it just helps people feel good. They know that there's some things that they might want to tweak and maybe not, you know, I mean, it's offered as a gift as far as my experience. And if you want to take some, take some, if you don't like some, don't take it, you know, it's, it's whatever resonates with you to help you feel good. Because at the end of the day, what I know for sure is when both of my parents died, they looked at me and they said, you were the best thing that ever happened to me on this planet. You were the best thing that ever happened to me. And when I die, I want to be able to say that I did the best I could and that I, I, I loved as much as I possibly could and, and enjoyed this experience as much as possible. Wow, that's a great way to close it out. You know what, Heather? You're a light. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are. Thank you. you are a big light in the world, and we're so thankful because our message is, as you said, and as you and Todd figured out very early, 
are so similar. And I'm just so thankful that you are doing what you're doing. Yes. Well, thank you. And it goes right back to you. Like I said, I cheer you guys on. I listen to you on my little podcast when I'm rocking Jacob to sleep. I put it in my ear. Oh, cool. I love that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Heather, thank you very much. We appreciate you uh, jumping on with us. And, and say your website one more time. Uh, wiseinside.com. And what's the other one, uh, Heather? Uh, raiseahappychild.com raiseahappychild.com so thank you for listening everybody hopefully you uh, got something out of it great well have a good day and we'll talk with you soon all right